Yeah. The other big story catching Wall Street's attention are rising bond yields. The 10-year yield hitting 4.3% this week, highest since last October. Actually, about the highest in 15 years, really. So what does it signal about the economy and how should investors position? Jim Bianco is president of Bianco Research. And Ron Ansana is a CNBC senior analyst and commentator. He's also chief market strategist at Dynasty Financial Partners. Welcome to both of you. Uh, Jim, I'll just start with you and please help us make heads. In is this a once-in-a-lifetime chance to buy higher yields or no? Well, I think yields are going up because the market is not completely convinced that inflation is behind us. Now, it's not worried about 8, 10 percent or Zimbabwe inflation, but it is worried that we might be in a 3 or 4 percent inflation world. And if we are, then you could be looking at bond yields that will be settling in closer to 5 percent than to 4 percent. And that's what you're seeing with the 10-year yield and with the 30-year yield. They're starting to drift towards that target. And ironically, it might be because the Fed has backed off of, of tightening that the bond market is starting to get nervous. If the Fed's not going to fight the inflation fight, then it's going to fight the inflation fight by selling off bonds. So I think that that's the big picture that's what's been driving bonds for most of the last several months as they've been moving higher. Ron, I sense you don't agree here. Um, not entirely. I don't disagree fully. I also think that the bond market has not ruled out the possibility the economy will avoid recession completely and maybe accelerate rather than decelerate whether or not inflation goes back up. You look at the Atlanta Fed GDP now cast, 5.8%. they've been high forever. They've been ever. high. And look, they could be 2 or 3% high at 5.8%. You're still coming at, you know, 3, 3.8% uh, annualized rates of growth in third quarter. No one expected that. Everybody was looking, myself included, a couple of weeks ago for sub 1%. That's not happening. But let me, let me get back to Jim's point here, mm -hmm. and that is that, that maybe the inflation fight isn't done and that, and that we're, we're not going back to a 2% inflation rate. We're going to a 3 or a 4% inflation. Doesn't that suggest that the Fed will have to do more, will have to raise longer, keep ra raise more, keep them higher longer? Something I think you've said they don't need to do now. Yeah, I, I think if it's a 3% inflation world, they don't have to do more because you have 200 basis points, 250 basis points of, of real interest rate built into that, which is a relatively restrictive policy and and if we it's interesting Tyler if we go back you know a decade right where we spent 12 years trying to get inflation above two percent and then mm -hmm. the Fed started talking about average inflation rates if we were at three percent for some period of time if you X out the pandemic and, and, and the immediate response thereafter, you'd kind of be where the Fed wanted to be in the first place, which is having an average inflation rate where it's been historically at about two and a half percent. So I think you know I think there's more growth being built in, less recession being built in. Inflation, I'm not sure about. I still think, with the exception of a couple numbers in the next couple months, it may be sticky. It's still coming down. Jim, I guess we have to talk about, you know, on the short end side of things, it's really just about where the Fed, what the Fed does with rates, how long they leave them high, when they start cutting. You think Jackson Hole will shed some light on that? Well, it should. That's kind of the big speech of the year where Chairman Powell or whoever the Fed chairman is kind of gives their long-term outlook. Remember, a year ago was that famous eight-minute speech where it's been dubbed the will-be-pain speech, and subsequently there was never any pain, and unemployment rate came down and stock prices went up. Uh, but I do want to come back to something that Ron said. I agree that a part of the equation here is that the economy is doing very well, and you're seeing that on Wall Street. They're all throwing in the towel on their soft landing and recession forecasts, and they're upping their forecasts. But that could be fostering, too, to an excess demand or extra demand that is pushing in prices higher, which is inflation. 
Um, and so the market, I think, is getting more and more worried that we're going to be in, a, you know, if you add real growth plus inflation, a high nominal world. And that's what these interest rates are reflecting. Furthermore, uh, if you just take a look at uh, five or four or five percent interest rates, if the economy is accelerating, it's a big sign that these rates are not restrictive. We could go through models and say, hey, look, they should be restrictive. It's 200 basis points above this or that. It's not because the economy is accelerating and it's telling us in real time that it's not hurting. And the other thing, though, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the fact that the economy is less interest rate sensitive because you're sitting on a three and a half percent mortgage and not moving. Corporations termed out their debt, bought, you know, issued long term debt at much lower yields. Refinancing risk, except in commercial real estate, is not that large. The other thing I point out that we haven't discussed. Quantitative tightening has been going on for over a year now. Mm -hmm. The Fed has reduced its balance sheet by over a trillion dollars, which means they are not a net purchaser of U.S. Treasuries. And so when you look across the curve with the Fed not being in the game, that's going to just by definition, put some put, upward, put, pressure, put upward on pressure on rates because yeah. you're taking the biggest buyer out of the market. Yeah. 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 It would. And I, look, I don't think we're out of the woods on a couple different fronts. When you look at China, when you look at Russia, when you look at Argentina, there are some external factors that if we have a summer like 1997 or 1998 or a fall like 1997 or 1998, some of this could reverse itself very, very quickly. Rates would come down. The benefits after an event would redound to the United States. We'd get lower rates, the Fed would stop raising, and we'd have some concerns about some sort of global, not quite systemic, but global financial event that changes the outlook a little bit. Jim, how do you factor China into your thinking? Well, it, it factors in in a couple of ways. They're the second largest owner of Treasury securities behind Japan. Uh, their problems have been accelerating their sell selling of Treasury securities, and I suspect that that will continue. And until they get a handle on what's going on, I think that you're going to see more repatriation of dollars back to China into in the form of one. And so that's going to be a problem. And I also might throw in Japan is also kind of the same thing. Their interest rates are going up big in Japan right now on the long end of the curve. They're the largest owner of treasuries after the Federal Reserve. And if they're getting more attractive rates in Japan, they're going to sell U.S. Treasuries and they're going to keep their money at home. So all the big buyers right now have big incentive to be sellers of Treasuries. And that isn't going to turn around anytime soon. Although households could pick up the other side of that. Well, given the, the yields that you see that are attractive to households and institutional investors who for years have been starved right, for yield, right. insurance companies, banks, and others. Look, the one thing I would say that where I would disagree with Jim is if there's an event in China, whether or not China wants to sell, they may not be able to sell U.S. Treasuries, and everybody rushes into the safety of the U.S. dollar and U.S. Treasuries if you have a global financial market or economic event. And so, you know, look, Japan's 10-year yields are 60 basis points, so they may be relatively attractive at home. They're not attractive on a global basis. And so you're not going to see people necessarily rushing to buy Japanese bonds when you can get 5% here. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Jim Bianco, have a great weekend. Ron Asana, same to you. Thank you. Good to see you. You too. All right. Uh,